Microsoft may be looking into buying Activision. Michael Pactor says that MMO subscribers have peaked, and not every game studio has to fire their employees after a project. All that, plus more, on today's MASHcast. Mashcast. I'm Jarrett, and I'm here with senior editor Rob Hill Williams. Hey, hey, hey! And uh, also here with podcast host and contributor Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? As this is Mashcast 59, I'm gonna get started with Rob. What have you been playing? Um, I've been like plowing through the episode of Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness. Uh, plowed through episode one in the middle of episode two now so i can get to episode three and you know have a full experience with it again um they're fun games it's a shame that like the the hothead you know thing didn't really work out like us in the long term but uh they're still good games um i also been playing things games other games no, i don't know uh amazing spider-man enjoyable i just like swinging around the city and stopping crime <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even need to play real missions and stuff i just just swing around the city just, i don't know it, it's fun it's always been fun um i played blacklight retribution which is decent enough i free to play games need to stop being so goddamn crazy about how much things cost in their their pay schemes though that game it's, is ridiculous it's so dumb, and I and I hate like systems where they don't just tell you like this is X amount of actual real money, people, adult dollars. Like it's like it's hundreds in points and shit. I don't know what the fuck that is. You know, like actually, it's more like two thousands in points or whatever. It's like oh, it's like twenty dollars for a gun permanently or something. And then they have like the rental system where you can get a buy a weapon for a, what a day, seven days, or permanently, but like buying something permanently like with just regular like credit is like damn near 10,000 points it's like i no this is this is dumb like i i pretty much just took the like the idea where i would since i'm not playing it all the time it's like i'll just i buy things like the day that i play and then i just you know i just play it out you know while i have those weapons that day or whatever but it's it's dumb, and there's so many like slots and things to to mess with. So it's like, you know, I, you have like weapon, and then all the things that you can customize on the weapon, and then you have like your head, your body, your your legs, and all that. Every fucking armor slot, plus like like gadgets and shit. It's like you could just to like make one character decent, well, that just one loadout decent would it cost you an arm and a leg? Like it's stupid. It's like the money's not the game's not made of gold. Like it's it's fun enough. Level design is okay, but it's not it's not that fucking great. Like it's just silly. So I don't know. Well, I, I felt did, some kind of way about that. Like, I did and like, it's like 
Oh, go, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was I was just saying like I still run around and kill people anyway with just fucking basic stuff, so I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> At a certain point. <laughs> well, I did calculations and like to buy a pre-made gun, it's like eight dollars per gun to get a pre-made gun to have it like permanently. Yeah. But if you want to do like a customized weapon, you're talking like fifteen dollars to have yeah. a, like a One customized gun. gun. Yeah. It's ridiculous, and that doesn't include armor and the other stuff that you kind of you know that you can you know equip yourself with. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much all I do is um, I haven't played it in months, but what I was doing when I when I was playing it was I'd uh, I'd find the guy who had the highest kill count. More than likely, he had the best gun. I kill him. I take his gun. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you can pick up people's weapons when they drop. I mean, you don't get to keep them, but for that round, as long as you're alive. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, my, it's like you're fucking rolling people. It's retarded. Like when I had, was using the regular gun, my ratio was easily, you know, three to one, at least two to one, at the very least. Right. But man, I get one of those guns six to one, seven to one. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing. So, uh, but I'm sorry. I I I. I, I Started talking in your time to shine. Please continue if you have more. No, it's, it's okay. I mean, it was just it was just a weird experience. Um, I also tried Dungeon Fighter online because I kind of like the aesthetic. It's like kind of almost like harkening back to like old school like side scrolling arcade beat 'em ups, but. It's just weird. Like, it's just like a game where they're just like, here, fucking go. Like, there's not even like I was like, can I even change the fucking like the screen size and shit like is there an options menu (laughs) like there's fucking nothing it's like pick a server play like that's it and it's like okay well great so i mean they give you really basic instructions like use arrow keys to move use this shit to attack and then jump like but after that and it's like everything's so convoluted and like the user interface and stuff i'm like i just don't know if i could really play this game on a regular basis and it's technically free to play too so there's like that whole like oh you can buy things and there's you know customizable like you know outfits and all that kind of crap too and I'm like I don't eh don't know how I feel about this it's it's supposed to harken back to those arcade beat em ups but it really isn't it's like a it's like a kind of a crappy 2D MMO in a way except that you're not when you're out in the field it's like instance like you're unless you're with a party you just run out and go kill things I'd rather play like Vindictus or something um. So yeah, that's that's pretty much been it for the most part. Steam Steam sales coming though, or or, or is here actually? I should say. So there there probably gonna be more things soon. Oh yeah, like I already bought stuff. That I just totally did not need to buy. Like, did, oh, I, did dude, I need to rebuy dude, the Hitman trilogy? You bought Binary Domain for like twenty dollars too much, even on sale. It's like ten bucks on Amazon. Oh really? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I was like, huh, hey, I'll get it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even check Amazon. But then again, what was it? It's, is it a disc game or digital? No, digital. Digital download for PC. I've never used Amazon's digital system. I'm always wary about doing new digital systems because I kind of just don't want to be bothered. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It's, it's really straightforward. They don't, they don't really make you download anything crazy. It's just like, oh, here, go download your game. Okay, great. You're done. I don't know. It's, it's pretty simple. I've used it for a few things. Better than Origin. That's <laughs> <laughs> the truth, actually. Uh, Alright, so Nick, what have you been playing? I have been playing The Secret World. Okay, I'm, I have too, but I'll uh, get into my experiences, but go ahead. Um, what you think? It feels a lot like um, the one game I keep thinking of is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's mostly the setting. 
and I guess sort of like the third person perspective, but uh, no, I mean, it, it, it's very atmospheric. I think the, the atmosphere is, is what makes the game, and, and the questing's a little bit, I guess, different uh, from, I guess, your standard MMO. Um, they've got uh, some quests that really require you to do some research outside the game, and to that end, they provide a browser for that. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting enough that it, it's held my attention all week and, and probably will for a, a little bit going forward. I don't know if I'll pay the monthly fee when that comes up at the end of the month, but uh, it, it's uh, it's definitely it's I, I actually as an as a game I like it more than the Old Republic, and that surprises me being a Star Wars nerd. Hmm. Oh, that is surprising. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. That that's is that the only thing you've been playing? Yeah. Then. Nick only plays one or two games. You gotta, you gotta give him a break. You gotta give him a break. <laughs> His whole gaming career is a break. <laughs> <laughs> he, Look, was, he plays a lot. He just can't talk about it's, that. It's a, it's a, He's it's a played break. more than one game. Break from everything else that's going on. But no, but yeah, but I, I mean, in this case, I want to get my money's worth out of the months that I paid for. So, especially that was a, that's what I was gonna say. The one thing that I'm disappointed by though is all the. Uh, uh, the the item shop and that that's all you got to buy Funcom points which like you were just saying with the uh, with the currency that's not real money and you need to convert with it it's it's the same thing that they're doing except they're doing this on an actual subscription based MMO well, it's, and yeah, I, I kind of uh, see how like maybe they're setting up to go free to play someday but it's like right now if I'm paying my fifteen dollars a month there was even and I know you you purchased one of the uh, was it one of the the advanced packs for fifteen dollars you got some extra special items yeah I got I purchased the advanced pack um. But the advance pack is kind of like, it's stuff that I, it's actually stuff that you can get while you play. It's not that you, they're, they're only, they're limited so then to do that. You feel, do, you, do you feel it was a good purchase, a good, good use of your $15? For me, yes, because I switched professions, like, or I switched the, the, the I guess, I'm not, you can't really switch professions, but I switched the direction I wanted to go in, like two times in the first five hours of me playing. Yes. So instead of me having to go find a weapon, I had it. You know, I already had it. And well, you can, you can buy... Uh, I, think I, I think I found the one vendor by the van in, the, in Kingsmith who sells yeah. all the, I think, starter-level weapons anyway. Well, he does. It down by the river. Pretty Actually, much. Actually, there, yeah. yeah, there, there is a river. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the thing about it, though, those items that I have are really good. Like, I haven't... Um, I haven't found any items just by, you know, uh, playing it that are better than the items in that pack. But shouldn't you be able to, and I think this all depends if you can get a hold of a weapon toolkit, I think you should be able to break down a weapon and then reassemble it into an equal weapon of a different type. Yeah, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. the weapons I have, they're all better than the, the weapons that are in Kingsmith right now. Yes. Okay. That's the thing. Okay. So that I got it because I got it. Uh, I got. It, I really wanted the crow. That's what I wanted. I wanted the flying crow. <laughs> that's why. That's why okay, I bought the. Pack. Okay. See now. Now that sounds. That sounds cool. But I. I think there's too. There's too much stuff that they have available, and there's not enough stuff actually in the game. Like you. Like. Uh. Like I don't think you can actually get any pets, unless you either got the pre-order or you pay for them as one of the packs or buy them with their your Funcom points. Otherwise, you can't have a pet. I don't know. They're probably right. At least for now, you can't have pets unless you, you pay for it. But the thing is, all of the pay for stuff is, uh, with the exception of the packs, like the the packs are definitely bonus packs that give you 
you know, yes. like the the one I bought gave me access to weapons. Like, yeah, sure, I can get them later. You know, I can get them later, but I have them right now. Yeah. And then you pay more for the other pack, and they it, it, like, like the two higher packs give you a, a permanent discount on um a permanent discount on your subscription, and then it also gives you additional stuff. Yeah. yeah, those packs like you pay to get more, but the rest of the stuff that I found in the item shops, like um, you know, I'm pretty sure you can pay to get items that you can find, but most of the stuff is aesthetic, like they're it's, it's, clothes it's aesthetic, and stuff it's like aesthetic, that. But the thing is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't found a way to actually change your appearance within the game. So it's like they're selling all these items that you can purchase to, to you know change your character's appearance, but that's the only way I see to change my appearance. I mean unless you unless you can get one of the outfits that comes with the deck or I guess one of the outfits that come with leveling up. But other than that, like if I want to get a different coat, and that's all I want to change, I don't know where I where I can get that coat. There, the there that is coat a place. Is but there is a place in the game where you can go buy clothes. It's actually in London from what it's, Oh, London. Okay. See, I've been to London. Told. It's in okay. London. And you can add, there are places to and, buy clothes in game, and that's with the the Pax Romana, the, the in game currency. The in game currency, yeah. Okay, good. So you just have it. to get there. I've I've had nothing to buy with my Pax Romana so far, so I'm just sitting on a huge pile of that stuff. So I'll go burn it and uh, have a fashion show. Yeah, you can buy clothes. That's the thing. Like in this game, um, your clothes don't affect your stats for the most part. Like you you have charms and talismans that affect your stats. Uh, you know, even I like, I, I'm like, I, you can, I, I keep on saying professions, but you don't have professions because you can do anything in the game. You yes. like, there's no levels either. Yes. Um, basically like you just, every time you build up enough experience, you get attribute points and you get, um, uh, well, the skill points yeah. and you have to put them in the proper place. And based off of what you want to do, there's like a, 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 an ability wheel and you just put points in the right places and bam, you have those powers. By the time you reach the end of the game. Well, I shouldn't say by the time you reach the end of the game, you can learn to do everything in the game, kind of like Guild Wars. You can learn yes. every last skill in Guild Wars, but you can only use you only use eight active moves at a time. You can only use eight passive moves at a time. So you can use a total of 16 moves. I thought it was eight. I'm pretty sure it's eight. Hmm, I might well, be wrong. Yeah, I might Agree be wrong. to disagree. Well, fine, and, until one of us <laughs> Googles it. But... <laughs> Um, but yeah, like you have a limited amount of moves, and it's it's mixing and matching those moves together. Yeah. Uh, that you know kind of makes your class. You can. That's the thing. Well, that's the beauty well, of that whole thing. Like what what I what I like too is uh, I, I reference the decks, which are basically the sort of like pre, uh, I guess sort of like a set of skills that you can acquire as you go through the trees, and when you put them all together. Uh, as your your set of seven active and passive abilities, then you're effect- it's effectively a class that you sort of create for yourself. And each each of the three factions has a set of I think like ten different classes that yeah. you can sort of discover as you go through the trees. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It, I mean, it gives the, you something to build towards. Yeah, and the the fact that you can actually make your own classes. Yes. If you want to, like you know, like for example, um, I have I'm using um, blades and elemental, you know. Which I'm pretty sure I don't think that's going to work out too well for me in PvP, but in PvE it fucking owns <laughs> because like you know they get close, bam! I can do all this blade stuff, and then before they get to me, you know I can do all this elemental stuff. And I also found out that you can that you can combine moves together. Because did you know that? No. Yeah, like you can um you can combine moves together. Um, like for example. Uh, there's a um, one of my elemental moves is called combust, and I can you know she throws fire. 
So I hit that, and then like when you have a move that charges, you can hit the next move you want to do, and it queues up. So mm-hmm. I hit that one time, and then I hit like her, you know, the base uh, blade attack. And instead of her shooting the fire and then using the blade attack, she basically set her hands on the blade on fire and then struck with the blade. Nice. Yeah. That so was, sounds awesome. And so I was like, I don't know if that did any additional damage. So I'm sitting there testing, like, okay, here's with just the fire. Okay, here's with just the blade. Here's it together. Like, oh, snap, it does make a difference. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. So I was like, I tried doing it with other like moves, like the electricity move that she has. Um, and it didn't do anything. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. So it's only certain you know moves that you can do. So it's like, hmm, nice. You know? I got to say, the, the charging thing threw me for a bit because I'm used to playing WoW, where when you're charging a skill, you can't move. Uh-huh. And so, like, I'd be standing there, I'd see the little white, you know, the little white uh, lines indicating, like, something's going to hit me in a moment, and I wouldn't move. I'd just stand there and take it because, like, no, I'm charging my shot. And then, like, once I, I hit a button by accident, I moved, and I'm like, uh oh, like, my Are shot's you- still there. And I was like, oh my God, that made combat so much easier. Oh, yeah. That's like, you definitely have to move and yes, dodge. Yes. And- you know stuff like that. It's so I I like it. I just haven't had a lot of time to really dig into it. And I don't want. I know I know players that are playing it. I I don't want them to have to come back and get me. You know or or what, play. With, what faction are you? I'm dragon. Okay. So I don't want to. I don't want people to have to come back and get me. So I'm just kind of playing by myself. Uh, not to mention, you know, there is like a story to follow, and yes. I kind of I do want to pay attention to the story. Like, you know, when you play other MMOs, when somebody comes back and gets you, you just kind of okay, queue up all these quests, and yeah. then we're gonna blow well, you, through you, them. You can't do that in this one, though. You yeah, can only queue true. up uh, three side quests and then like one main quest at a time. Yeah, exactly. and then you've got the story quest. And, yeah. And- you can't, you know, you don't want to pausing them, and it's much easier. You just gotta like do a handful of quests at a time. Yeah, so but, I like it. I, I'm so far, I'm not digging the story too much. Cause I, I did think the story was gonna be a bit different. Um, like you know, the, the it's the secret world. It's supposed to be like all this mythical, magical, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, ghost tale, wives tale. I would think uh, secret is the word you're legend. looking for. Yeah, and you know, on top of that, yeah. You, know, you got an be... island that's just completely besieged by zombies. Like, everybody there is either dead or they're one of these survivors that you're helping. Like, exactly. there's nothing secret about the, the mysticism. There's here. nothing secret about what's happening in the world at all. And basically, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's just a hell on earth kind of situation. Like, it's the yeah. apocalypse and it's happening and that's pretty much pretty much part of the story like you finding out what's going on why is the apocalypse happening and blah 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 as opposed to you fighting urban legends like you know werewolves and secret battles happening i'm I'm hoping that it'll get a little more uh i guess a little more discreet when you get to the other regions because i think like this island is supposed to be somewhat secluded but it's not really it's more like a peninsula but it's like there's mountains that make it secluded but uh no, I, I like uh, when when uh, I because I, I I did the the dragon and the Illuminati starting area, which is Seoul and New York, and there it felt a little more like oh you've got to find these hidden, you know like you got to find all these hidden places where everybody sort of congregates. They're not just out in the streets, right. you know, openly saying like hey it's a secret world. Yeah, but that's what they're doing. That's what <laughs> in that first place, Kingsman. Yes, yes. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> zombies everywhere. The conversation options for everybody is the secret world. You can just ask them, like, what do you think of the secret world? And they're like, yeah, that is true. Yeah, bugging them, but yeah, it's it's the secret world's not so secret right now. Um, but other than that, obviously, I've been playing that. Um, Endless Space, I've been playing, and I like it. 
Uh, it's a turn-based game. It's actually, from what I found, you know, it's I, I thought it was supposed to be mostly single-player, but it's actually made to be multiplayer with other people. Um, but the thing is, like, you know, when you play multiplayer matches, like, I can't, those matches must last for so long because you start off in a solar system, in a star system, and you have to, you know, you colonize that star system and you build up the economy on star system and you have to move out to other star systems and build up the colonize and build up the economies and do all this stuff and then you build empires and then when your empires run into other empires which you know i'm playing a, a cpu player right now and i've i've gone to a couple of different solar systems more than a couple and I, he is nowhere to be found so i'm like yo where is the cpu because eventually we're going to run into each other our 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 universe our empires are going to expand so much that we're going to either we're going to come into conflict um, actually, that's one thing. Like, you you have different types of relationships, like, or oh, another type of relationships with different types of statuses with other empires. There's war, of course, and there's peace, but there's also like cold war, and there's another status that I can't remember. So, when you first come into contact with another empire, you're in a cold war until you establish either war, peace, or the other uh, type of um, of status. And the thing is, like, since I can't see where he is, I don't know where well, it is. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what kind of empire they're building. I'm kind of concerned that one of my colony vessels is going to be out in space and then get blown the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's just out of nowhere. I'm like, you know, and I'm not going to be prepared for the oncoming onslaught <laughs> from this other empire. So it's just, it's, it's a really interesting game. Um, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, I don't even think I'm 50 turns in, and I already have, like, two, almost three pages worth of notes for the review that I'm going to do. Yeah, it, it, is it just me? Because, like, I mean, I, I had to turn it down because it just seemed like it was so much, like, that it was going to be just such long games. A am I wrong in that thought? When I was watching the video and stuff, I'm like, he's talked about this for, like, a half hour, and... Or it was like ten or five minutes in the video, and I'm like, this. I don't even know if this is really. Uh, he hasn't even gotten to the game yet. <laughs> like, it's. It just seemed like a lot. It all depends. Like, it all depends. Like, first of all, your first like eight, nine, or turn ten, maybe even fifteen turns are very fast, and they're fast because you have limited options. Like, you don't have a lot of stuff trained. You don't have a lot of technology. So basically, you do one thing. Next turn. Okay, next one you do one thing, next turn. Sometimes you just t spend turns waiting for certain technologies to build because you really can't do anything. Right. You know, I, the only reason I even started exploring because that was one of the only things I could do was go out, send a colony vessel out, and, you know, fucking put a colony down and start making some babies down there. You know, that's pretty much the only thing I could do in some places, but then your, your turns do get longer. And basically, like, when you come into contact with another empire, depending on what happens in your first meetup that possibly could end your game right there if they're hostile and you just don't have you know you didn't build up the proper technology to defend yourself you don't have enough uh, the fleets aren't large enough or you don't have enough defense you know stuff like that or or off or, or you know uh, attack power they'll wipe you out so why even continue to play you might as well just surrender doesn't that kind of put you in like a almost like a defensive or like a defensive military mindset to begin with, like that's sort of the only direction you can really go because you don't know what you're running, you're going to run up against. That was interesting because when I was in my first and the early stages, I, I'm still technically speaking in the early stages, but like my earlier stages, I'm like, yo, I need to build my defenses. And 
they, I was pretty much paranoid. So I'm like, I'm like heavy into industry and I'm heavy into, um, into like science and the currency is called dust. So I'm like heavy into that, but I'm not necessarily heavy into agriculture and food, which my people need to stay alive and be happy, which, you know, that takes effect. Most of the heroes I have were militant heroes and I put, I put militant people in charge of different star systems and that affected happiness and what they produced and all this different stuff. So I actually had to pull back and be like, okay, well, I can't go as heavy. And now I'm building more into agriculture. My people are getting more happy and everybody's kind of happy. But what's going to happen when I meet up with this other empire? <laughs> you know, right now we begin our happy asses kicked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what we're happening right so really now. the problem is you, that you're you're raising a bunch of space hippies. Probably, yeah, I, I, I got to strike a balance. I got to strike a balance, and that's what I'm looking for. So it's spaceive, basically. It's spaceive, yeah. It's, it's okay. like spaceive, and I don't know, I'm just ha- I'm having a, I'm, I'm I'm having a good time. It looks really really good, you know. Basically, you just have an interface, and you control that interface, so you have a lot of data in front of you, you know. You're conquering the universe from your so desktop. When you when you do the multiplayer, um, would that be like one person goes and then you have to wait while they take their turn, or are you both sort yeah. of taking your turns at the same time? Well, you take your turn at the same time, and then like you basically you hit end turn, and then you have to wait for the other person to end their turn. Okay. So, you know, and then you go into your next turn. You know. Okay, and, then the, and then the game sort of figures out every the results of everything that everybody did during their turns. Yeah, pretty and, much. And then and then you get to go on the next. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like you know what's gonna happen. Well, most for the most part. I mean, in battle it may be a different story, uh, but you know it's gonna happen. You know how much dust you're gonna get. You know how much science, how much science points you're gonna get. You know how much industry points you're gonna get. You know stuff like that. So you said you've been playing for almost fifty turns. How long real time has that been? Would you say? Uh, a couple hours, maybe two hours, two and a, two hours, two and a half. So you're two, two, two and a half hours in, and you still haven't even begun the actual conflict yet. Yeah, really so haven't begun the actual conflict yet. So it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I do enjoy the game though, but it's you know it's gonna take me a long time to actually get a review out. I think you know because things are changing even now, like the deeper turns you get into. So yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's gonna end that portion. Of uh, games. Yeah, let's talk about our <laughs> topics. Yeah, let's talk about you know game news. I guess you could say. Oh, we're actually, we're going to start off with a rumor here. Uh, it, well, Vivendi, uh, which I think we I think we mentioned it before briefly, possibly. I can't remember if we talked about it before or not. Don't, but Vivendi. I don't, I, don't so. mm, I don't think we have. Okay, well, yeah. for you know, for those who only get your news from the Mashcast. Vivendi is looking to sell their uh their stake in Activision Blizzard. Well, we actually we don't know that they're. Well, I guess they're interested. In, they well, they're exploring selling their stake. They're not. Well, yeah, they looking, want, It's not. It's not officially for sale yet. Well, the thing is, they want out. They definitely want out, and that's not necessarily due to the performance of Activision Blizzard. Hell no. <laughs> that's due to the like. There's you know, it's their company. Their company is running into trouble, and they want to drop that to either they want to sell it so they can get some of that money back and put it back into Vivendi or I guess they just can't invest that money in anymore that's the thing yeah it's weird it's like a rumor on a rumor but it it seems likely that they're gonna make the move to because they've taught they've already talked to a bank but it's nothing official yeah so 
Yeah. So, you know, it, it's... They they might be looking to get rid of uh, the United States and Activision Blizzard. One thing that's kind of pissing me off, and I, I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised, but uh, you know the the sensationalist headlines is like, oh, you know, Vivendi is selling Activision. When they they mean they're kind of making it seem like you know, you know they're they're, they're trying to get rid of Activision because uh, for like because it's a bad thing. Like you know like you know. Actually, I saw one tweet that went up from uh, from somebody that said, oh, it says a lot about the state of AAA games when Activision is for sale. And then somebody replied to his, treat, to his tweet saying, yeah, and it says even more because nobody wants to buy them. One of the things is, like, the Act- Activision's not for sale. Like, stake in Activision is, you know... Yeah, it says a lot about Twitter when people tweet things that they don't make, they don't know about. Yeah, that is social media in general. You just described social media. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's oh, those poor African children. <laughs> social media. Uh, but yeah, so that that kind of bothered me. Basically, um, from what you know, like like Rob and, and Nick said, it, it's a rumor on a rumor. Nothing has been confirmed yet, but it is looking like Vivendi. They either want they preferably would want to sell their stake in Activision, which is the majority stake at sixty percent, or uh, according to Michael Patrick, they may just spin them off, which he thinks is the the more than likely thing that's going to happen. Which I kind of think the same thing. Yeah, that they they would just kind of go off on their own, you know. I mean, that would, I mean, it does seem like an opportunity for Microsoft. I mean, you know, everybody's looking at Call of Duty. If they could lock that up as an exclusive, or even yeah. then, you know, even if it winds up that they're still getting money, what if people buy it on other, on other consoles? That's not necessarily a bad thing either. But I mean, it's sort of like the opportunity's there, but I kind of feel like people are talking about Microsoft buying this, just like they were talking about Microsoft buying OnLive. Like, they're think, they're, they're, I think they're expecting some kind of action out of Microsoft because there's an opportunity for it, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to come of it. I think, right. uh, I'm on board with Activision just going their own way. And, yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, if I think if Microsoft did buy Activision, that would be a good thing for them. And I don't necessarily think they would make their games Xbox exclusives. I don't think that they would have enough power to do that. There's, I mean, there'd be more people than just Microsoft and that board of directors or whatever. And I'm Call of Duty makes money because it's multi-platform. Like well, it being yeah, on it's, Xbox, well, it would be, still be it'd still be multi-platform. It'd be Xbox and PC. Yeah, <laughs> well, but I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much PS3 really accounts for like the stake and like how much Call of Duty sells. But Call of Duty has to like Call of Duty is their like. Oh, actually, War, World of Warcraft is their money maker. Actually, yes, but yes. but Call of Duty is well, I guess their second place money maker. <laughs> I don't know, but it's like their big franchise, and you have to keep that as on many platforms as possible i think in order to really have that return like you you cut call of duty off of, a, of one platform i don't think you're in a situation where like people just wholesale like sell their ps3s to like but, go buy it but i think there's they enough ha- shooters i don't know but, but i think they have to know that i guess th- they have to have a rough idea of like how many people actually only own an xbox and only own a ps3 because there is a lot of cross ownership so it's not like you're entirely right. cutting off the entire ps3 user base just by saying you have to get it on xbox because some people just get it on xbox then so i i wonder if i mean it's it's cutting off your nose to spite your face but they might view that as a hey look now you know everybody loves call of duty and now it's only on xbox Right, you know, Microsoft yeah. might, but will Activision and Blizzard view it that but way? Microsoft, That's would the the one that, Microsoft would be the one that owns them. They'd be exactly. calling the shots. Activision just has to sit there and take it. 
they'd have a majority share, but a majority share doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want, regardless. I, of... yeah, usually it does. Yeah, like if you have <laughs> if you own sixty percent, like if you have sixty percent of the shares, that means you have sixty percent of the vote. Yeah. Mm. You know, the other forty percent, no matter how many people have forty percent, that's still only forty percent. You know, so what if, well, what if you run into a well? Not that it would necessarily happen, but like they may be looking to sell their majority share. But what if they don't sell a majority share? What if they split it down? Well, that's a different story. But, you know, if they didn't buy sixty percent, then yeah, that's a totally. I mean, I still think it's unlikely that like I don't even. I mean, like I guess it it comes with like having a. Mm, I don't know. It it seems like a a very weird place to be. Like I don't I don't think that that would ever happen. I don't. I just don't see Activision ever putting themselves in the position where, like, they could start to lose money because somebody wants to make their game one platform. That's, well, that's even if the, that's the perils of ownership, though, is that just because you have a, a, a very successful business model, when you're bought by people that have a just a different philosophy, they own it and they call the shots, and they will just run your business model over and do what they think they need to do. And uh, yeah, then the you know consequences be damned because I think the consequences would be pretty bad for exactly. the whole. Even if Microsoft did buy the sixty percent, I seriously doubt that they would make it. They that they would uh, you know, put it on the three sixty only. So because they're not they're not stupid. Like they know that That's they make I more mean. money multi platform. Yeah. You know, and that that now they're doubled in. Like hey, you know, hey, we're making money off of the PS three. Because I think that's the, yeah, and I think that's, I think maybe that's part of the problem with the way people are talking about this. Like, everybody's talking about Microsoft buying, you know, buying that majority share just so they can put Call of Duty, you know, specifically, you know, on Xbox or make it, you know, single console platform. And it's, and that's kind of just a silly notion in a way. Like, it does, it flies in the face of, like, good business sense, sort of. It wouldn't, it wouldn't just be Call of Duty that they could bring to the Xbox, though, because, I mean, they've been rumoring for a while that, about while going to consoles and i mean nothing i don't think anything's really ever substantially been proven that that could be in the works but i mean they could certainly this could certainly be the impetus then for them to bring that you know into the console world and see how that does we can finally is get it? the we can finally get starcraft ghost oh that that is dead and gone that and multiplayer gone. was so good though <laughs> i played e3 2005 i remember <laughs> <laughs> never forget <laughs> exactly. I was so mad when they they did that, but uh. here's a here's a thought to leave everybody with before we move on. Now, what if EA were to buy the majority share? <laughs> we could uh, move on. <laughs> I'd kill myself. <laughs> they could, but you know what? EA would stop trying to make a Call of Duty killer. They wouldn't need to anymore. They could focus on making other stuff. Call of Duty Battlefield just merged into one. Oh god, that'd be an awful idea. <laughs> That's another awful business. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, EA owns it. It would be Battlefield Call of Duty. Battlefield of Duty. Battlefield of Duty. Medal uh, of Honor. That, that, that actually sounds Battlefield like an accurate name. Medal of Honor. As long as they let Danger Close develop it, I don't care. I guess they wouldn't have to put like six developers on it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, what I find interesting in all this, though, is one of the other r- rumored suitors is Tencent, who we, I think we talked about the other week with Call of Duty Online, since they're actually working with Activision, but also them being Chinese and, and WoW uh, coming out with the Mist of Pandaria expansion, which, which is very Chinese in nature. It almost seems like that whole company sort of is, is, is almost oriented in that direction. I think it's very low odds that they'd actually buy it, but I think that I think that's sort of like an interesting dark horse. It. 
Yeah, I think it's low odds that anybody buys it, honestly. Yeah. I think it's too much money. Yeah, that's like, the thing. And, 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 and not that Pactor's, like, you know, completely full of crap, but, like, that he's, I don't think he's full of crap on the, uh, on the idea that people might be wary because of, like, even though you have Call of Duty and you have WoW, WoW's flagging, in a sense. WoW's and, flagging, but at the same time, they, I mean, they can, you know, all they need to do if they're ever worried is just put out a, a you know, like a $10, pet $25 mount, you know, like what, like a third of the player base buys it, and that's like a million dollars right there. <laughs> so they, they, WoW can still print money. They're, they're, they're perfectly fine. Well, I guess speaking of WoW, I guess that's our next topic. Yeah, next topic is talking more about Mr. Uh, Pactor. Yeah, Pactor. uh, Regarding uh, the MMO subscriber base. He says that, well, he thinks that the MMO subscriber base has peaked. He thinks that there's only about 6 to 7 million people who are willing to pay $15 a month for a game, period. And he said that if Star Wars couldn't expand it, and that's made by Bioware, then nothing can. And then he also, you know, brought up 38 Studios, rest in peace. <laughs> you know. Um, now, I know, like, uh, Nick, I, I'm going to let you go first because you had a positive view on this, correct? Po- I don't know if it was a positive view. I tend to agree with him. Um, I, I, I think that, I mean, at this point, pretty much every everybody who's played wow or is going to play wow has played wow and they've either accepted it or they've rejected it and i mean what you know the only reason you know as of cataclysm wow had you know what 12 million subscribers they've lost 2 million in the last you know in the in the last year and and that's that's more than pretty much every other mmo has i think even even uh what the, the old republic is still struggling to keep around 1 million so yep. You know, you know. So I mean, they can lose the like, the entire size of the MMO market that isn't them, and they're still fine. They're still d- double digit millions. Uh, I I I can't see where any more people would come from. I mean, the only you might have like younger people coming in, and but that you know, and that's offset by the attrition of older people. But I I, I can't. I, I think he's right. I think everybody that that's one that'd be willing to pay fifteen dollars up to this point has had that opportunity and either done so and then left or not and the other thing we've seen too is with the market transitioning to free to play i mean we're all we're all you know snickering a little bit because funcom is saying that they're determined to stay with the 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 pay for model but yet i'm looking at the the item store thinking like they've set this up to go free to play and they even said i think within five years they expect they'll be free to play because that just seems to be the way the market goes but i think with everything going free to play anyway not only are there there's nobody left who who hasn't had the opportunity to pay that 15 dollars that is still out there they're going to lose that opportunity anyway because really it's only going to be wow and everything else is f2p okay uh rob what did you think um i'm kind of in agreement i mean like i think that he's right as, as far as subscription numbers i don't think that it, it if you're talking about number of subscribers like overall paying for one game at one time yes i i think that there there could be a situation where there could be multiple good Pay, you know, subscription model MMOs that could have more, you know, people than that, but the yeah, unlikely almost at this point. But um, it's just I I think people are tired of paying fifteen dollars a month, like for for the most part. I mean, if people get if two million people can get tired of paying for you know wow fifteen dollars a month, like I 
I don't think there's a whole lot of necessarily a whole lot of hope for anything else. There's always room for another phenomena. Like that's the exception, but that's not the rule though. I, I think that there's room for something else to come out of nowhere the same way WoW did and, you know, re re spark that interest. But uh, unlikely at this point, and, and, and at this point it'd probably be a free to play game anyway. And I think that it is telling that you know like you know funcom's you know committed to a subscription model until that subscription model doesn't work anymore and then they've already set up a store there's free to play games everywhere i don't think the free to play is necessarily the answer to everything but i think that as far like the subscription model like when there are so many options out there i don't think that's like the way that everybody wants to even you know attempt to go anymore oh i mean regardless there's a couple things uh that have about, I guess, the whole the whole thing that he said. First of all, I don't think there's a set number of people who are willing to pay fifteen dollars a month, and I don't necessarily think people are be are tired of paying that amount. What I think the problem is that people aren't finding things that they think are worth that fifteen dollars a month. And if you have a product that people think are are worth it, that it's worth the pay. $15 a month for this game because the content provided is, you know, is good enough, I think they'll pay for it. Um, I think but how why long? If those people only pay for it for a year, because that's, you know, the length of time it takes you to get to in-game and, you know, more or less kind of, like, blow through that, too. It Who's going to pay $15 a month forever? Except the hardest core of the hardest core, you know? Like, how many people do you know who've been, who's been playing WoW since it came out to right now without skipping a beat, you know? Well, there's people who lapse, but I mean, like, you look for, lo like, more than just a, you know, a year worth of playership or something, I would think. Yeah, but that's up to the developer to provide content for the players. Yeah, but what, but what MMO, that's, I think, is the problem, though. What MMO does that, or, or even even with as much content as, as in other MMOs or free-to-play MMOs, if you can get that much content in something that you don't have to pay money for necessarily, then why would you pay? Like, I I don't know. It just it just seems to make sense on the face of it. I think I think that's the issue. Is it's there's there's so many different models now. It's not just the buy the game for fifty dollars and then pay fifteen dollars a month every month thereafter. That there's almost no need to stick with that model. I mean, we still have that. Look at uh, look at DC Online. I mean, that's you know, and I, th I think they're almost sort of like the, the 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 holy grail in this regard, where they came out you know with with a game. They had the game. Then they you know they got their initial subscription base. Then when that started to flag, they went free to play. That ramped up their their revenue numbers, and they're doing they're doing very well. I think, th and I think that's kind of what what the fun comes looking at too. Is you come out, you start out with a regular subscription model, see how long that'll last you, and then be in place to make that transition to go. You still have the option there, you know, to pay the, you know your fifteen dollar a month fee and get additional content, but. You know, in any situation, there's always going to be an, a, a larger market at that lower price. So I think you're just not going to see an MMO come out that's just strictly going to adhere to that model. And, and to that degree, there's just not going to be enough. There's not going to be that many people who who have the opportunity to pay that fifteen dollars a month. And, and that's sort of why the number is capped. But uh, this is the thing: I don't think it's about opportunity. It's about the quality and content of the game. The the um, DCU had to go free to play because the game was not worth fifteen dollars a month. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I play oh, DCU. But, but, I like DCU. Uh, but, but there are people. There are people though that thought it was. Then there are people that still think it is. And I think I mean you're, every game has sort of a target market, and uh, you can look. You know, you can look for sort of another WoW that's going to be you know sort of all encompassing. 
and as all-encompassing as it is, I'm sure they'd have they'd have more people playing if it was free to play because it would be that much more. Well, of course you're gonna have more people playing it's, if something's free to play. I'm not exactly, refuting that fact. Of, what no, I'm talking, what specifically I'm talking it. about, is that there is no, there's not necessarily a limit to the amount of people who will pay fifteen dollars a month. It's about the quality and the the uh, and the, the the quality and the the quantity of the content, and if it's worth the fifteen dollars a month for that. Like, I, don't, I don't think there's like only six or seven million people who are going to pay $15 a month. If, I, they, if that, you have a video game service that's worth $15 a month that you're getting enough content for it, people so you're it. So, so you're saying then whatever this good game hasn't come out yet then because, I mean, these are the numbers that we've seen so far historically. I'm assuming out of the 12 million, I mean, because I used the 12 million from WoW, but I guess enough of those are international accounts that he's not going to talk about them. But so you know, if you're gonna sort of look at like WoW's cap and add that to all the other ones and say this is probably the highest amount, you're saying there's still additional markets out there and that MMO just hasn't been made yet. It hasn't been that that game that MMO hasn't been made yet. Like how many people would pay are gonna pay for Planet Side that wouldn't pay for WoW? You know, for a monthly fee. I mean, World of Warcraft, it it, it skewed numbers a lot, but the, the reason why it got so big is because it hit so many different niches. See, you know what I'm saying? I, like you had people who were extremely casual with that game. You know, to people who don't oh, yeah. play any other game. They didn't play games before. They didn't play any games after. They only play World of Warcraft. I, we work with people like that. That's true. That's true. You know what I'm but, saying? Yeah. No, but I, I, I just, I think, I think WoW hit at like the exact right time, and it was the exact right product, and that's sort of why it's become a phenomenon. And I just think that the time of the $15 subscription fee has passed. And I think we're that if WoW came out now, it wouldn't it wouldn't even survive in this environment. I think mm. there's just too many opportunities and too many different business models. That but you're, you're talking about a WoW post WoW. The business models have changed based off of WoW, but because WoW's been so successful, I don't think WoW's WoW the cause. I think it's it's. I mean, everybody WoW hasn't killed other WoW MMOs. Was, was taking their fifteen dollars. WoW hasn't killed other MMOs. Like how many other MMOs think... came out? And then people went to play them, but WoW was better. So they went back to go playing WoW. If WoW didn't exist, if, if WoW didn't exist, other, the, I can almost guarantee you that it will be more spread out. People will be more spread out in different MMOs. I think they would have latched onto another MMO. But then again, I, I also think too part of the problem is that WoW had such a good formula that everybody else just tried to emulate it. And that's why the other MMOs sucked. It, it, I mean, that's one of the interesting things about the secret world is it, it, it feels different than WoW. That's and that's that's the one thing I keep seeing in the chat is everybody's like, "This is so different than WoW. This is so different than WoW." And I wonder like how long that feeling is going to last. And it'll be interesting to see when when the expansion comes out if if people stick with the secret world or go back. And another well, thing I, about the whole, you know, I guess the amount of subscribers that you're going to have in MMO, like we both, I mean, we all can agree that WoW skewed the numbers. And I think it's it's like the Call of Duty effect, but for MMOs, where other companies like we want that, we want to get that many subscribers. But that's not really realistic. You know what I'm saying? Like, WoW was just that game. It's kind of like saying Battlefield was, like, you know, uh, you know uh, because Battlefield isn't, doesn't make enough, it's the same money that Call of Duty is making, that EA should try a different business but model. But wouldn't you say, like, Call of Duty is sort of the upper limit on the shooter? The shooter market? Yes. Like, and pretty much everybody who buys a shooter has played Call of Duty at some point. And you're you're not going to have another shooter that's going to come along and do better because sort of Call of Duty has hit that plateau. But what I'm trying, the thing that I'm trying to say is, it's like you know he's saying that you know the 
Well, like, well, yeah, so you, him, and Rob are saying that the time of the $15 MMO is over because these other MMOs really can't, you know, uh, keep that subscriber base, you know, going kind of like WoW did, or they're not even coming close to touching it. But it's kind of like saying, because Battlefield isn't selling as much as Call of Duty, that EA should, maybe they should go free-to-play with Battlefield so they can get that many subscribers. Okay, I don't well, think it's the same thing at all. I, they're just saying that there is a a real like kind of a number. There is a number, even if it's not six or seven million, that is willing to do that anymore. I, and I don't think that that's wrong to say. I, I think I don't like. I just don't like. I think you're you're taking issue with the number. And okay, maybe the number's not right. But I think that we've seen that there's there's a limit. Like that people just aren't necessarily interested in paying that much money for an MMO, like, or, or paying for a subscription model. You're going to pay $50 for a game and then you're going to pay $15 after your first month for, for how long and for what, Ooh. you know, especially with the rate that people blow through content now. Like it's not even just, it's not even just that like, wow, killed the MMO market, but like that people are more proficient at playing MMOs now. When, when wow came out, it was like, not the first MMO, but it was like the first MMO to do most of the stuff that it's done, and now people are used to it. People can get through content like super fucking fast now. So why pay for, you know, why would you play or pay a subscription model for more than like three months, maybe? You know, that's not really like what somebody's looking for when they make a subscription game. They're looking for people in it for the long haul. That still goes against the whole the value and quantity versus what you're actually paying thing. Like I said, I think if you make an MMO, if you make content that people that's worth paying for, people will pay for it. I'm not saying that they won't, but I'm saying you're that, talking a crazy amount of content. I think. <laughs> no, I, I I I think though that any developer is going to be looking and they'll say we have this set, set, subset of people who will pay fifteen dollars, but we can get this many more people if we have a lower tier, ostensibly free, and they're looking at that bigger pie and not just the subscription base. Well, I mean, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy if they just do if they do it that way, which they probably are. I'm not saying yeah. it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that all these MMOs aren't going to go free to play. I'm just saying by him saying that, oh, well, there's only there's only this many people that are willing to pay for a subscription model. That's not necessarily true. You have to make it worth it. You have to you have to fight, like they just the reason they're not paying for a subscription model. Well, some people just won't pay. There are some people who just won't pay, but there are other people who who are willing to pay, but because they don't see anything that's worth it, they're not going to pay the fifteen dollars. You know, like I like DCU, I but I wouldn't pay for it. That's not worth fifteen dollars a month to me. You know, that's the thing. And you're right; you're absolutely right. You will get more people playing free to play. That's because it's free to play. It's the only reason I tried DCU. If if there's an MMO that can expand the market, be it Planet Side or something else undefined, I'm I'm curious to see what it is because I uh, I guess until until it comes out, and then I'll 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 be in Pactor's camp. Well, that's the thing, like. It's it's not here. The MMO would have to We be, won't know when it's here until it's here, exactly. Until it's here, yeah. Like it's so massive. It, it would have to be so massive. It'd have to reach so many different people that it will be it'll be something but, else. I, I think that you know I think in a way it is here though, and it's Facebook. And I don't think that's uh, <laughs> I see, and even that's not subscription. Yeah. That's I nice. mean But you know you know what I, I, I would think, well, if anybody could pull it off, I would say it's C C P. Anybody can pull it off a of CCP. For those who don't know, that's people who make Eve. I'll give you that. What because about Valve? You're not going to have faith in Gabe? Uh, Valve, Valve would have... An MMO, though? I don't I, think that's... Uh, Valve would have the PC community but what if and a tried? Beat, but, just what if, what if we just took Gabe's raw talent and applied it to this? Because he probably wouldn't on his own, but... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if Valve would... Be, the reason I say CC, CCP is because 
they, they're, they're coming out with their second MMO. Yes. That's and, in and the I, same. That's in yeah. the same world. Well, no, they're also uh, they're also but working. That's gonna be. That's, the, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be free to play though. Yeah, but no, they're also working on the Worlds of Darkness one, aren't they? I'm not sure. Rumored. Sure. I'm not sure if that's actually happening. Yeah, That'd be happening. I'm I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> but um. Yeah, but how many people are waiting for that one? I, don't, I mean, like, I think that if, World of Darkness if you were... does have a uh, a fan base, I don't know how big it is, but uh, let's see. Yeah, but I, 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 the reason I think I would say it's CCP is is for that specific reason that they're already building, I guess, multiple worlds based off of that one world, and if they could, that like, like let's say like okay, they, let's say they make a third MMO, and for fifteen dollars a month, you get access to this you know this this one spacefaring one, this one FPS one, and then this third one, which I guess maybe is it more of a traditional MMO somehow, you know. That's for that that's more of what I'm talking about, and I think that that something like that would cut would bring back I should, I should say well, you know maybe bring back the subscription model. The thing is like you know it, it's hard for me to have even defend this position because a lot of people are going free to play. But that's what the industry does when they when something new props up, they go for it. Like you know, iOS, bam, shit ton of iOS developers. Facebook, bam, shit ton of Facebook developers. And you'll either see if it's gonna if it's gonna you know, you know, fly or die a little later. Here's one last thing before we move on. Uh, in a weird way, I mean, like not really in a weird way, but because WoW is a phenomenon, like was there ever any other MMO even? Even in that, even in like the heyday of subscription models, that even got close. Well, that's kind of true. That's 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 another thing. Actually, I have my notes. I didn't even bring up. But the thing, like we you know, we, we I think we all get agree that WoW skewed the numbers. But is is it a possibility that these other MMOs are just you know the realistic number of people? Right, which means that. I, maybe there are only you know such a you know a smaller like a, we keep talking numbers as if we're talking about something being wow and we've already kind of said over and over again even though i guess maybe we weren't listening to ourselves that like it's not realistic so maybe that's the problem like the number is only you know five million or something because like that's the real number that's not the wow number you know or something like but the reason the thing know. is i'm saying like you can't even have a definite number because it's it's about the value, you know what I'm saying? Like it's about the value. I don't necessarily. I mean, like value is important, but I think that it's more than just value. I think that you have to hit the right notes. Like not even just in value, but and in, in other things too. You have to, you know, uh, Minecraft, for instance. You know, like hits a note that wasn't hit by anything else ever before. And in a way, you can almost kind of think of that as an MMO, sort of. Uh, in a way, you know. Yeah, but. But yeah. like, I'm saying the subscription model in general, not just for MMOs, it's not dead. You know, like there are people who would pay fifteen dollars a month for Call of Duty Elite if there wasn't a fifty dollar a fifty dollar you know option. Let's say, you know, there are people who are like you know who knows maybe if the if uh, if MMOs were only ten bucks a month. I, actually, actually, yeah, you know what the uh, that Call of Duty Online going to China? That's a huge market that's not tapped. And uh, that's a completely, you know, that's a different kind of MMO. And uh, Call of Duty does very well. That very well could expand the base. As I said, I'm not sure if he's talking about international numbers, but right. uh, that uh, that might do it. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I, I, personally, I hope the, the, that model, the subscription model, doesn't completely go away. Because I enjoy being able to plop down a certain amount of money and get everything. 
access to everything, which is my biggest problem with free to play game free to play games right now, is that you there is no free to play game that lets you plop down a set amount of money and lets you get everything, or at least us like a really large base. Like I haven't played a free to play game yet that you know has an option like hey pay sixty dollars and you get this much. Even tribes, you know, like with tribes you pay a hundred bucks and get all of that gold. But when I looked at how much gold you get and what you can buy with it, versus you know, paying for a $60 title, to me, it's not worth it. So, like I said, I hope that model doesn't go away, but only time will tell. But um, let's move on to our next topic, which is, uh, I guess it's more about a person than necessarily a topic. It's actually, uh, we're going to talk about Eugene Evans. The Develop Conference is happening right now, uh, and that's happening out in Europe. Um and uh, Eugene Evans, he's the GM for was it? I think it's Bioware. One second, Bioware Mythic. The Bioware Mythic. Um, and he, uh, I don't know one title. I kind of the first title that I, I read from you know the, the Develop Conference was called. It's called Sustaining Communities: Key to Next Gen Success. And I thought it was interesting, but then he just totally took a different turn than I thought. He was, and you guys, I mean, you can tell me if you agree or not, but basically, you know, he was saying that, you know, that the, 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 the companies that run these communities or have these communities need to be able to successfully migrate those communities, uh, you know, to different platforms. And when you say community to me, I'm thinking Call of Duty, Battlefield, World of Warcraft, you know, stuff like that, games that have communities. But he's talking Microsoft, Sony, Apple, and Facebook, he's talking about the platform holders or the service providers. Like, for in my opinion, Xbox Live doesn't have a community. Xbox Live is a service, and you use that service to get connected to various different communities. Like, uh, you can get connected to the Call of Duty community on the 360, or you can get connected to, you know, whatever game you play, the NASCAR community, if you're still one of those guys who play NASCAR, you know, through various platforms. So I kind of, I, I, I do agree that, you know, um, well, I think even the publishers would agree that community management is extremely important. Valve would definitely agree with that, that community management is a, extremely important. And getting, having your community support you as you release different games and do stuff like that um, is extremely important. And the way you do that, the way you get your community to support you is to treat them good. You know what I'm saying? If there's problems with your game, get them fixed. You know, don't take stuff out of games and make it DLC. DLC feels add-ons, feel like add-ons, you know, stuff like that, and your community will stick with you. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the platform holders, which I think is the wrong thing to talk about in this aspect. What do you guys think? What I think the issue is we need to define community. Because I I just did. no, 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 but I think you define it. I think for yourself. I'm trying. I guess because technically. Those are, I mean, those are communities. It's, it's, you've got the, you know, each game has its individual community and there's sort of a meta community for a given platform. But like when I, like when I think of a community, like you talk about WoW or, or Call of Duty, like I imagine people who love the game so much, not only do they play it, because I mean, that technically everybody that plays it is a member, but then you've got like sort of the more hardcore members that go online and read about it and post about it and they're in the forums and they're writing blogs. And like that's, that to me is the real heart of the community. I mean, somebody that signs in and plays a game and doesn't really, you know, they might interact with their friends. I mean, tech, Technically, they're a member, but they're sort of on the fringe, like you know, like an online community. That's the people who are, you know, 
you know, when, when you ask them, like, what do you play? Like they, they, they say, and they, you know, they, they identify with the game. And I, I mean, and then those are the people that, that those are the people that you, you want to sustain that, that, I mean, they, they're it's almost self-sustaining. But when you talk about like the services, like, I don't imagine anybody getting so passionate about Xbox live. Just, I love Xbox live so much. I'm going to blog about it and, and post about it. Really? Like, we might, Xbox really? fan. There are fanboys. There are fanboys. <laughs> Really? <laughs> there are I'm just saying, I wouldn't there call are that a community. That passionate. I'm not saying that. I guess yeah. I shouldn't say that there aren't, but it 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 see. I I don't see what there is to get excited about because it's. I mean, are you going in and are you just are they just signing into Xbox Live and just sitting there like giggling, playing Xbox Live, like? <sighs> Looking it's, at it's, the it's, ads really, it's the all about the games. Like, I mean, I understand complaining about it if the service is bad, but it is all about the games. But I mean, like it. You can define community in another way, and I think that's I think it's what he's doing, and it's not just necessarily by like here's a a whole group that's like a nucleus, and this whole group of a couple thousand or whatever amount of people like is a community because they're all interconnected with each other. I think he's talking more along the lines of like Xbox Live has a tons of different groups of people that you know you have you know groups of friends on Xbox Live, other people have groups of friends like, and and they all bring those people into xbox live and when you consider the whole as a service like the service is what connects them all together and it's kind of like a mesh of communities it's not necessarily like one singular like hive mind of a community it's not like a 4chan or anything but i i think that there is an ability to take that platform and move it elsewhere like you know if if you know microsoft not just by you know by virtue of having another console but like you know actively tries to get that community to shift over into the next system, you know, you've upped your chances of, you know, a, you know, a specific amount of people or a number of people buying that system and, you know, that, that next gen system. So I, I think that's more what he's getting at. Like the, the ability to like mobilize that group, like even if that group is not necessarily one specific tight knit community on its own, like it's enough of a, a amorphous mass that you could, Take it and I'll roll it over into something else. Well, he's talking about taking like them taking their communities and going like cross platform, like you know, going from the Xbox to the phone to the tablet to the PC. You know that that's like what he's talking about when he means like migrating their communities. And uh, I know each one of those companies has their own ecosystem. Well, except Facebook, but you know, just because you have an Xbox, are you gonna buy a Windows Seven phone? You'd have to love Xbox Live a lot, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to, to really do that. And don't get me wrong, there are some actually really cool benefits to having, using Xbox Live, and then having an Xbox, having a Windows PC, having a uh, Windows 7 um, phone, and then you know, having like maybe like a Windows 8 tablet. Sure, there are going to be some really cool benefits, but, I mean, like you have to have some really, really, really dedicated people to do that. Other than, rather than, you know, Activision ha- saying, oh, you know, ha- taking Call of Duty players, like, oh, okay, well, we have Call of Duty out, period, you know, and then we also have this over here on Facebook, we have this you can do on your phone, you know? I don't necessarily think that's what he's talking I don't think he's necessarily talking about, you know, like, if you're Microsoft getting people to buy, I mean, like, I'm sure that's always an end game for the business itself, but I don't think that's what he's talking about, is getting people to buy a Windows phone and, you know, buy a, a Surface tablet or whatever. Like, I think what he's he's talking about is just the ability to, like, 
have those like that community or have people give the ability for people to be connected regardless like kind of like steam putting out an app on you know for mobile in general well he says it like in the article down here he says you know they want to be able to connect to any of these communities on multiple devices on mobile devices anytime anywhere with whoever they want right but that doesn't mean buying a specific platform that that company puts out like that means that like they have to be you have to be willing to like take your like even if you love apple if you're facebook like to take your app and put it on android too because people want to be and like it's the only reason that people will stay connected is because they can keep being connected on whatever they choose to be connected on i was gonna say basically he's calling for the for the the services to be platform agnostic which it almost seems like heresy if you're Microsoft or Sony because an Apple because you are the platform. Really, Facebook's the only one that can sort of do that, and they've done that because Facebook you can get on your Xbox, on your PS3, on your iPhone. So, so Facebook is sort of, I guess, the what he's really sort of building towards in this case, where like I can connect to Facebook whenever I want from wherever I want on just about any device. And he's saying, I guess, that like Xbox Live and the PSN and and I, I, the Apple Store should be more along those lines as well. Right. And I don't necessarily think that's the key to next year's success. Actually, it runs right into the other topic that I totally disagree with him in, where he says cross-platform development is crucial for studios. Um, and I and I totally disagree because, you know, he, he brings up, you know, players want to be able to play their games on any platform. He specifically mean, you know, mentions, like, PC, playing a game on a PC – and playing on your phone, if you're playing like Farmville, that's one thing. Or even a game like let's say Beat Hazard, okay, that's one thing. But I like I don't want to play Counter Strike on my phone. I don't even want to play Counter Strike on my Xbox. No, but I don't think I don't think he's talking about having the exact same experience. But I think he's saying that you should still be able to interact with the game. And 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 I sort of look at like WoW with their armory or their their mobile auction house, like where it's like you know I'm not home, I can't actually be in and questing, but I can still pull up the auction house and and sell some you know some cloth. On you know what you know while I'm not able to actually play the game, I think I think fundamentally he's right that I, you know on some level we should be able to interact with the game again pla- you know platform agnostically that you know that there's no reason why we shouldn't especially for the studios since they're not tied to hardware the same way the developers. What you uh, call that crucial? I don't know if it's. I think crucial. it makes it. Uh, it depends on how you uh, how you look at it. If you if you're talking making games sticky enough that people want it regardless, like. Okay, well, you know, we had this game and then we have the mobile app and stuff, but like now we're going to carry over into next gen. I mean, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know how crucial it is, but important. I, but I, I think, it, you know, it sounds, you know, buzzier to say crucial, you know, like it's, it's not really like a, a, an interesting press conference or, you know, whatever if you go in and you're like i think it's kind of pretty important for them to, you know, make games sticky and, you know, have them on different things. Because who, who's going to write about that? <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about it if he was like, you know, I think it's kind of a good idea. We'd just be like, okay, sure. I'm and guessing, we'd move on with our lives. I'm guessing they feel that like the Mass Effect 3 Infiltrator game for iOS oh, was success. They must feel that was successful because that's exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that is what he's so, talking about. Thing, like, those, like, if you're talking at that, at that level, those games are just nothing but add-ons. Like, I haven't found a single you know, game like that or, or you know, something where I can, like, for example, like, I love Assassin's Creed, but do I play, like, the little Facebook games and, you know, little, you know, meta games they have for it even to get 
other items for it? Then, then you don't really love Assassin's Creed. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I guess not. I'm not. I'm not. Sure. I'm not hardcore. Oh, it. No. <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, that's the thing. I wouldn't. I, I, they're great, I guess, but I wouldn't necessarily call it crucial. Be honest with you, I would be upset if a game came out and it was super buggy, right? And like you know, and it just wasn't that great. And then they put out like this other mobile thing for it. Or this thing you could do on Facebook for it because I'm like, yeah, Yo, you could have used those dollars and made your shitty game better. You know, yeah, like we have that problem now when they only put out one game. So I mean, like I, I but, don't know. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Yes, I get what you're saying, but be. But like, the thing is, like the, anyway. the mentality is already spread. Like what he's talking about is already happening. That's kind of this is kind of pissing me off. I'm like, yo, just <laughs> pay attention, pay attention. I'm right here. I'm if talking you, to you right now. You can't successfully put out one game, then no, you shouldn't be thinking about putting it out on like five different platforms. Because no, because no, no but, do it on one. No, but clearly, clearly, the problem with the game that you put out before wasn't the bugs. It was that it wasn't on enough platforms. So that's the solution that you need: is get it on more platforms, but still just as buggy. Yeah, I and guess everything will work itself out. It feels like they feel that the solution, or the solution to their, I guess, their budget problems, is that they're not engaging the player enough, and that's not the issue they need to focus more on the core game. And I think what we talked a little bit about last week, don't just focus on the the production of the game. Focus on the pre-production when that's where the big decisions are being made, like, you know, game mechanics and stuff like that, because that is the part that fucks you up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we have beautiful games that kind of that suck or are boring, like Gears 3. I'll say that for the rest of my life. You know, like, like the game was the game was boring, but it looked beautiful. So the, I, I know their full production scale was like you know, was was beefy, you know. But like you know, hey, like you you can be focusing on other things to make your games better. That's 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 like that's I guess ultimately ultimately that's how I feel about it. You can be focusing on there's other things to focus on that make your game better rather than how much money you put into it or how accessible it is. Across various platforms. Now, if you're now, if they are talking, if he is talking about playing the same game across, accessing a game across multiple platforms, no, that's absolutely not crucial at all. I feel, I feel I like you're, the crowd. I feel like you're preaching to the choir. Well, I want to like, so all the other folks that are going to listen to this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I just think like if, if if a developer has a game and they're perfectly fine with it being buggy, and you give them extra money, they're not. They're fine with it being buggy. They're gonna be like, "How else can we can we do other things?" They're not gonna they're not gonna fix that. I think it it, it really if a, a good developer a good a good developer if they do something cross platform they'll do both things good. It's otherwise it's all gonna be crappy. I don't think I don't think you can plead to somebody not to suck. They're just gonna suck. Hmm. Yeah, that's that is true. I guess that's the more of the business mentality of the industry at this point. But um. Yeah, let's let's just move on to our next topic because we we definitely went over on that one. But um, yeah, we the next topic is regarding because we've been talking well, I guess all year, well not just all year, but since the mash cast first mashed, uh, fifty nine mash casts. Yeah, the, the, you know, yeah, fifty nine mash casts. Four score and fifty nine mash casts ago. Yeah, we've been talking about you know game studios closing and people getting laid off and stuff like that. But uh, there was an article on Penny Arcade. Uh, where Ben Kachera talks about how uh, some of the the more popular studios, some popular studios, they how they how, why they don't close, 
and uh, how they stay afloat. So, and I know Robbie, you were going to talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, when we talked about it last week, when we were talking about the risks in AAA development, you know, it was a kind of a, a cycle of you start in pre-production and you have, you know, only a certain amount of people until you ramp up production and you hire, you know, hundreds of more people or whatever, depending on, depending on the games. Um, and you're in a situation by the time, a, you know, a game rolls down, if you don't have another, another job to run into or another, another game to start on or, or, or other games in production that you fire people. <laughs> like it's just, it's the only way around, you know, the, the the situation because it cost what was it ten thousand dollars per per man month um so when you have hundreds of employees you're racking up millions of dollars a month and that's just assuming the game's successful um but basically this is like the flip side which is what some companies do to you know to counteract them and there's there's four examples um or i'm sorry five five examples and they're all more or less different. Um, although, actually, actually, some of them are kind of the same. Uh, Naughty Dog, for instance, they when they talked with Amy Hennig, um, they said that basically Naughty Dog's always in production. Like, they're, they're always in production all the time. So, I mean, like, it's kind of, I guess in a way, like, it's pretty raw because you, you have people who are constantly always working on stuff you know, every hour you walk in and you're you're working on something. You're you're full production on something, um, which is weird actually, considering Uncharted really only do, or uh, Naughty Dog only really does Uncharted at this point, at least. So I I kind of wonder how that works, but well, I guess they're always working on the next series or the next idea or some other game. My guess is because there's a lot of times where developers will help with other games. Right. As like a contract type thing. Like I think I was talking to uh Eaton Gilbert of um Firehose and he was telling me that's how they got by before Slam Bolt. Like when they were first starting to develop it, like they were doing Slam Bolt, like they were like in full production for Slam Bolt, but at the same time they had other staff members who were contracted out working on other games for other people and you don't really see I guess you might see it in the credits, but they don't make a big deal out of it unless you're Call of Duty. Right. But, but go ahead. Um but you know, basically, like they—they're always in, you know, and, and and I guess it's a unique position for them because even though they only do Uncharted, like they always are always working on the next one. You know, I mean, that's a, more or less an assumption at this point, or at least like they're working on some other new IP after that. Um, but then they talked to Fifth Cell, um, who's made games like uh, Drawn to Life, Scribble Knots, um, and basically what they do is they don't—they don't hire a lot of people. Um, but they hire those people for life and then they stagger development on the things that they work on so they don't have to, I guess, uh, ramp up and then fire and stuff like that. Um, so basically, they, they kind of do it more like a regular business, I guess, in a sense. Um, and they, they also... Oh, God. I was gonna say, they don't mention exactly how big Fifth Cell is, do they? I know they kind of talk about some like two 12-man teams, but yeah. they don't actually give like a hard number of how many people are there because I get the sense it's a fairly small company. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, but no, they don't ever give like a, a straight number. But they do. But I, I guess that it wouldn't be a small. It wouldn't be a big team anyway because they they say that they work in a sandbox atmosphere that's pretty similar to how Valve works, where there's like there's really like no boss. You kind of work on 
whatever project, people jump into different things. Um, so that kind of gives itself over to a small, a small group. Um, so what we saw last week, like we, they were talking about, like you'd have like a 30 man, like pre-production team and then, you know, eventually ramp up to like 200 people. Like I don't like, I basically they're saying like these, these people are successful and they're not using that model at all. Right. So it's almost like, I don't know if they apply to like, they're, they're bucking the trend by just not participating in it. Right. And, and I think maybe it also has to do with the fact that I, I mean, I can't think of any like major, like, you know, like triple A console, like they do mostly, well, I mean, if, if they even such a thing exists anymore, like they do more like a double a, like, mo- like mobile, mobile, uh, handheld game development for the most part. So maybe that's a, a difference that works. You know, it's not quite as much, you know, or mu- as much need for huge teams and things of that nature, especially if it's staggered over a long period of time. Um, in fact, they were able to add more people after THQ laid off a whole bunch of people. So that's, you know. that's, that's actually good to hear at least. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot, actually. Like when other companies kind of like open their doors to, to let other people in after they get shot down other, you know, companies close up and whatnot um the flip side is uh for ubisoft montreal they said they have large team work on multiple projects <laughs> like they um they did they don't give us like they don't give us a number either i wish they gave more like actual like employee numbers um but basically like they have you know people work on you know a, a bunch of different things uh pre-production is for them a state that they can have for a long period of time because they have different projects so they can always like shuffle someone else off into pre-production um uh bioware says don't lay don't lay people off put them on dlc which i guess means they're actually making dlc after the fact which is there's i think they're actually working on I think the Leviathan DLC now i think there's a something showed up about a voice actor being hired or something so yeah they're 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 actually active in making content after the release of the game, which right instead it's of not yeah, on the disc, making it and then locking it off. Yeah, which is a nice thing to see. Um, so I mean, uh, who else had mentioned that before? Actually, um, it's not listed in this, but uh, oh god, Fallout. What was that? Obsidian? Is it Obsidian? I think yeah, so. Obsidian. Yeah, um, they they did kind of the same thing. Like they they managed to keep like the their teams together a little bit longer because they they worked on DLC after the fact for for Fallout and things. Well, uh, I know their contract specifically included the DLC. Like when they did, like you know their, I guess you know when they with the publisher when they did their when they did their initial meetings and stuff like that. So all those people knew that's what was happening. Right. So. And then Epic. As the last company they talk about, and they basically just say they act like adults. Um, they don't. They don't waste talent, uh, basically. So they said that you know, for an example, which I mean we've talked about before, and actually it's kind of interesting because we never really talked about the fact that they managed to stay open or like they didn't. They didn't get shuttered after the fact. But uh, Bulletstorm people can fly. Um, Bulletstorm did okay. Like they said, it performed expectations. If you're a company working with Activision, that would probably mean you get closed, for the most part. Well, I think the difference is like what well, Activision's expectations are too high. Where That's I think Epic time. more, you know, Epic probably had more realistic expectations. Hey, you know? acting like adults. There you go. There you go. There it is. <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, they, they didn't, you know, get rid of them, at, you know, and obviously it was a talented team. It just, you know, it was just a game that sold okay, but not like, you know, in the stratosphere. And so they put them to work on, you know, Gears of War spinoff. Yeah, but so, that, that, that makes sense, though. I mean, you, they sort of proved themselves with Bulletstorm and, you know, the IP isn't well known. So now you can put them in a more high profile game and sort of expose the world to them. Right. You know, like a, you know, like a literally like, you know, a double A team going up to like a major league team. Yeah. Um, and in fact, they, they talk about how they, you know, after in the wake of 38 studios and big, huge games um, getting, you know, shut down because of all their, their financial difficulties um, that they created Epic Baltimore, you know, just in the wake of it and picked up a bunch of people from those studios um, based on the fact that like Kingdoms of Malamore was a good game. It just didn't sell a whole, you know, a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of copies, 1.5 million units, I believe was the, the number. Um and but they said like the talent was the talent was good the talent was there and they didn't have anything in the rpg space so it made sense for them and they you know because they've i guess done things on such a you know a measured pace i guess you know they they license out the the unreal engine um they work on you know a few different you know projects at a time that they had the ability to just go and here's a new studio in an area <laughs> and, and hire up a bunch of people. So there's different, you know, I, there, obviously there's different ways to, to say, you know, keep yourself a little more safe. Um, but it's, it's just kind of odd that we don't see more of this, I guess. Didn't, didn't we talk a little bit about Epic last week though? And how like, since they have the unreal engine that provides a ton of revenue, like they can sort of, you know, they don't oh, have, yeah, they're they not beholden to game sales necessarily that something can sell a little bit worse and they don't have to you know re- react immediately they've got a bit of a buffer in that regard but I think yeah. the, those business units would they have to be different because I mean like you have your games people who are making games but at the same time you have your unreal engine people who are building the engine but I get the feeling like the unreal engine because it's it's so widely licensed like I don't think you need as many people developing it for the revenue it brings back and so, I mean, overall, it helps the bottom line, and, and, and therefore, you can afford to have a game that, you know, you know, you don't need to, ha- you know, have it hit, you know, the high numbers you needed to hit. It can, it can still, you know, it can, it can not succeed as great as you need it to, and you'll still be okay. Uh, I, I think so, but technically speaking, even Activision, like, you know, when Blur didn't sell to expectations, because Blur did sell well, which is not the expectations, the Activision they weren't. That didn't put them in danger of closing. You know no, what I'm saying? But, but they, they they still cut them because it didn't make back what it was supposed to. Exactly, and and also I think I, I get like Activision just. I mean, they're well right now they're beholden to Vivendi, <laughs> yeah. so anything that they you know anything that doesn't help them doesn't look uh, you know good for the parents. But well, I th- here's the deal. In my eyes, when we look at companies like Naughty Dog, Fifth Cell, and Epic, uh, these companies aren't just run. Like by business people, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, of course, the CEOs and like you know maybe the CFOs and stuff like that are you know you know well I got my degree from Harvard and Yale and blah 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 whatever. But it's still in the higher inner circles, you have like people like Cliffy B, who who he was a gamer, he was a mod, you know modder. Like I remember, I remember when my first time dealing with Cliffy B, you know uh, from an internet perspective. Uh, you know, he was a gamer. So you have these people who have, I think, who are more grounded with with gamers and can set re- uh, more realistic expectations. You know, you're, you'll see Cliffy B walking around at PAX. 
you won't see Bobby Kotick walking around in packs. Nope. You know, Don't with care. a trail of fire coming up behind him. Nope, won't see that. No, but no, I, I, the, he doesn't have a trail of fire. The fire just follows underneath him, you know, so he can <laughs> suck you into the pit and drain all of the money out of your lifeless husk. Ah, okay, that's how it works. <laughs> Rob's had a close encounter. <laughs> it's like encountering like a wild rhinoceros in the in the bush. You don't <laughs> you just run. You just run. <laughs> well, I would think it might notice movement, so run slowly. No, but I, I feel like this is kind of like a, a lesson in the obvious, and I, I don't. And it's you know, it's odd that you would point out like these the, the, the producers here, you know, have a gaming you know a background, so they're they're more human. I don't even I don't even see how that matters in this case. I feel like the people with the business degree should understand this most of all. Like you know, keep a good pipeline. Naughty Dog's always in production. They have a pipeline set up that they can keep moving people amongst projects. You know, they list Ubisoft Montreal just being always busy. Like you need projects to keep the guys busy. The thing we heard about last week is developers they they work on one game and hope that and they hit then, yeah and then they cross their fingers it, it's like it's like bowling and then when the ball's going the wrong way you start waving your hand hoping for that strike and it hits the gutter <laughs> it's it's terrible. that's what activision does all the time we're gonna exactly, buy you exactly just, it's, just it's, wave it's, arms because you know blur i don't know uh, we're just gonna wave yeah, arms and hope the car stays on the track well, you exactly know what? even though i mean gaming has been around for decades of course at this point but still technically speaking compared to other industries it's pretty young yeah. So you have business people that are coming from other industries um, that are following, I guess, the models and stuff like that they learned from other industries or that they're taught in college based off of what's working with other what, industries. What, yeah. what, or what, what model that says you can have employees place? that don't have work? Like the movie business model on a lot of aspects is like that. Yeah, and and, and, you know, and and that that's fair because especially looking at like EA and Activision, we see them moving towards like a movie structure where everybody's a contractor, mm-hmm. and, and 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 to that degree, it makes sense. And that's also again why you know like they're emulating Hollywood with the releases and everything. I, there is, I think, I think you're you're right that that for the CEOs there, there's sort of a Hollywood. Oh, yeah, because they see it as an entertainment really product. That's sense. all they see, and that's why they're brought yeah. on. A lot of times, like when these. Um when these companies get involved with investors, the investor is like, okay, you're the guy who's in charge? Okay, not anymore. We're going to put this guy who's led X amount of successful companies in the entertainment field right. in charge. Or, or in like the fast food business or whatever. Yeah. You know, like because he's run a successful business elsewhere, he can run a successful business here. And obviously that doesn't pan out. That doesn't pan out in regular business world. Well, sometimes, sometimes it does. Like if you look at like Google, Oh, occasionally it does. Yeah, but, I mean, but like, like you know, but, for sometimes it doesn't. Like for yeah. okay, well, let's look at it like this. Let's let's look at it like this. Uh, Activision, even though they they close studios and they cause a lot of uh, developers lose their jobs, technically speaking, Activision is a successful business. Yes. yes. You know what I'm saying? So in that case. You know, it, it might work, but let's say in THU's case, it's not working out so great. But no, but then I think that's the problem is it's, it's, you, I guess you can get away with that person as the head of, you know, something as large as Activision, but for those individual studios, they need somebody at least who's aware that you need to have like what you're working on now and you need to be looking at what's coming next. It's true. That, you know, because that, that, you know, games end, get, they get out, Duke Nukem forever got out of development. Your game is going to get out of development. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, if you use that as a gauge. <laughs> yeah, everything gets developed. <laughs> yeah, everything gets developed. <laughs> you know, until we say this project is dead, it's in development. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, I, I just I like the article because they're you know 
it just shows that yes, there are. It's not that the, these guys are getting lucky with these models. Like these models work and they make a lot of sense. So by doing sensible things, you know, you can keep developers employed and you can make good games at the same time. You know, but then again, you know, all of these guys that they've mentioned are making games that are not going to sell as well as a Call of Duty. So if a publisher is looking for that, then they're like, well, that's because they, they're making Uncharted, which is a great game, but it's not going to make sell 60 million copies. And all right, if somebody else could buy Naughty Dog at this point and be like, oh, well, that didn't perform their expectations and close them, you know, exactly. if you're going to go by that standard. But I would exactly. hope that, I feel like Naughty Dog would be smart enough not to sell, like, not to get themselves into that position, not to sell themselves to somebody that would then judge them so harshly. Oh, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, I think they're, they're self sustaining. You know, yeah. and I I like these models because these models are producing good games. I mean, I'm not a fan of Epic anymore, but I am a fan of people who can fly. But, but isn't so that sort of a, like, isn't that people a self fulfilling prophecy? The reason they're successful is because they produce games and because they have produced good games and they have a good business model. So it all goes hand in hand. Yeah, I guess so. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a circle. Exactly, the circle uh, of games. The circle of games. Title of this of podcast. Life. <laughs> it's the circle of games. <laughs> it's the title of podcast, is what that is. <laughs> we got to Photoshop uh, the monkey from uh, the Lion King just holding, holding up a duty box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, no, it's got to be something like a let's say Bulletstorm. I don't know, or 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 an no, you just have him holding up Simba, but on his head is Gabe Newell's face. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, yeah, it's instant Reddit karma. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, let's move on to our last topic here. Uh, Oya. I thought it was Ouya. Yeah. Is it Ouya? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody somebody commented about it sounding like the Macho Man named it. Ouya. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> macho Man coming to get you. Yves Behar coming to get you. The only thing, like, I mean, I, I, have, I have two links here I'm going to put into the show notes, but I just want to say, um, what the fuck, Internet? <laughs> what the fuck is going on seriously like people are going nuts over this thing fucking i saw somebody who who made a company who registered a company specifically to develop games for this platform wow already already you know wow. what that's like a that's like a I don't know, like a fringe case, because somebody's always going to do that to like try and get that quick buck because they're like, oh, shit, that might be the next new thing. I can get on board now. Well, and the thing is, a lot of people are saying that. Like, if you look at the testimonies page, you know, for the for the for the Ouya or Oya or whatever the fuck it's going to be called. Orbis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, um, Hilarity ensues. Yeah. So, like, you, you look at the testimony page, like, oh, this is going to be great for developers, going to change the face of AAA development. First of all, I'm not going to get too deep into the hardware, because the thing is, the hardware hasn't been finalized yet, but they are saying it's going to have a Tegra 3 quad-core, you know, chipset. That ain't changing the face of AAA development, son. It's just not like, yo. Well, I think people are talking more about uh, the fact that it's supposed to be, like, an open source, like an open console. But then that's, that's kind of the thing. Well, actually, we're going to come back to that. We're gonna talk about that, okay? But like the internet just went nuts. Like this thing got—I think it was like what three point five million dollars. It's up to four point two million now. It's up to four point two million now. But in a day, it was like three point five million. You know, people are like, "Oh my god, take my money!" Blah blah. And like, 
I was just stunned. I'm like, okay, I knew it was going to get funded. But I was just stunned at how many people were just, like, sucking on this thing's virtual balls that don't exist yet. <laughs> I, 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 no, there, there is a working prototype of the balls. Oh, okay. Like, dude, like, there's oh. a cast from which other balls may be made to suck on. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, there's, there's no finalized hardware design. There's no finalized distribution platform. Uh, there's no finalized OS. I mean, yeah, we know it's going to run on Android, but it's going to get bigger. It's going to be altered. So we don't even know what the, the, the final spec of that is going to be. There's no final controller design. That controller they're showing is just a concept. They might as well just make the PS3 boomerang controller as far as I'm concerned right now. Actually, if you, if you watch, like the, uh, if you watch the video on Kickstarter, they actually have some concept prototypes that they're sketching out, and they do kind of have a bit more of a boomerang shape to them. Don't do it. <laughs> we already saw that. that that's yeah, not going to work. It's not final, though. Come yeah, on. But it is not final. And there's no way, there's really no way to determine how games will run on this system. You know what I'm saying? Because, first of all, okay, you can, even let's say the Tegra, the Tegra 3 chipset will definitely, I'm pretty positive uh, that it can run current gen games at a good, at a good frame rate, above 30 frames. You know, some games maybe even 60 frames. But then you have to have these engines that you can actually build these nice-looking games on work with Android. You have to have Epic build an Android version of the you know the Unreal Engine. You have to have Cry- the Crytek engine work with Android. You have to have Unity, which I actually do believe works with Android already. But then you have the problem of fragmentation. Just because it works with one Android pr- platform doesn't mean it's going to work. Oh, not platform, but pro- um. You know, device doesn't mean it's going to work with another Android device. We already have enough of that trouble already. Well, who says they need to develop for anything beyond the Ouya, though? As long as it works with Ouya Android, then they should be okay, because that's what, that's what this console is. That's what I'm not even talking about the developers yet. I'm talking about the people who build the tools for the developers to use. Yeah, but I, but, I mean, those tools, I guess, like... I, I think it's it's. I think the problem is that you can't look at this and say I'm going to make an Android game and expect it to work on all the platforms. If it, once they start modifying Android, an Ouya game is an Ouya game, which is different from every other Android flavor. That is true. I mean, yeah, I definitely think you're going to have some games that are, are, are you know Ouya Ouya only. You know, they're going to you're going to have those games that are exclusive to the console because they're going to make it for that console and they're not going to you know make the necessary changes. Not to mention, it does have a it is going to have a controller. So there's just some games that just won't transport, not transport, but, you know, um, translate well to touch screen devices. You know, unless you get, yeah. like, Sony, you know, one of the, you know, like, the Xperia Playphones and stuff like that. Um, you, know, you know what actually would work well with this? If they actually had, like, the Wii tablet controller, so you could actually touch that and then affect everything on the screen. I don't want to sit in front of my couch and do that. Well, then you're not the target market for this. Well, the target market is for some people who want a controller. And there's apparently 33,617 of them. But that's the thing. Like, and Ben Kuchera, yeah, I think he, he he worded it so well that they're selling a dream right now. Like, everything that they're saying sounds really good. But you know what? There's nothing all that new to this, to, to what they're saying. Like, you know, for example... You know, they talk about, you know, any developer can publish any game on this thing. 
that's pretty much Xbox Live indie games. Yes. That is pretty much the same, except Xbox Live Indie Games did have some limitations. Well, actually, had some serious limitations um, regarding, you know, disk space and then the approval process. But even now, like, you know, that's a lot of that stuff has been extended or uh, or just gone in general. So it, I guess it, it is doing it is a bit better than Xbox Live Indie Games. But at the same time, you still have, you know, if you really want a platform that is is open like dude just release something on pc i I think that's the thing is because if if you watch the kickstarter the one big the the one big issue that uh what was her name uh the the lady that founded this um the one the one her one big issue is like oh i love playing all these games but i can't play these games on my tv that's like her that's the whole reason they're doing this they even end by saying that the revolution will be televised and the whole issue the whole the whole the whole thing that i feel like is completely missed is like just take your pc and hook it up it's the same thing that we said when they talked about you know possibly making a steam box back in you know a few months ago is that you can run steam on your pc and, and get an hdmi cable and that's exactly the output this is going to have is an hdmi cable plug it into your tv and there you go you know you can you know a con- controller up if you need use a keyboard and mouse it doesn't matter and and it's 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 a completely superfluous product that even if it's even if it's executed properly there's no reason why you can't you know because they're talking about oh you know you don't you can develop a game in your bedroom you don't have to wear pants when you do it and you can do that now on a pc it, it's it's i don't wear pants when i'm developing the mash site you never wear pants i wear <laughs> i wear pants as little as possible it's really a disturbing topic, and we need to talk about that later. <laughs> but but uh, were, you, are you, were you done? Uh, for the moment. I'm sure I'll jump back in. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Are you finished? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I guess the, one of the advantages is that it could be televised. Well, not televised, but, you know, you, you know, you can hook it up to your television. But there's there's so many things that are going to come into play, come into play, you know, for this to be successful. One, how many people actually have these things? You know, that's going to do, 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 um, determine what developers will develop for this. But at the same time, something that determines if somebody is going to buy this thing in the first place is what games are available for this. You know, and in good games too. First of all, we know that major publishers are not going to touch this thing. Like they did a vote of what games people want to see in this. People say, "Oh, it's Skyrim. I want Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft." It's like fuck you. I'm not coming near <laughs> that thing because it's it's wide open. We have enough trouble with Ubisoft and DRM on PC alone. Okay, they are not even going to come cl- near this thing. And neither will Activision, neither will EA. I'm thinking AAA developers will also not touch the thing, and except maybe I don't know Valve, because you know they're fucking Valve. So Epic, maybe, maybe. Well, I don't Epic. even think that's a maybe. I think they will. They've already got commitments to some degree i think mojang uh said that that he'd throw minecraft on there but it was with it with the caveat that uh i think if the kickstarter was successful and the product is awesome then we'll put uh yeah but that's what he said yeah see the reason i don't think epic is going to jump onto it is because they have to see how successful it is even when it came to unreal engine because the they're not going to release the game unless it's on the unreal engine and when it came to putting unreal engine on ios I mean, how long did that take? It's not that they couldn't do it. It was that they wanted to see, well, is it worth it? You know, because that's extra dollars they have to spend. So, I mean, obviously right now on Android, they don't think it's worth it because they don't have an Unreal. I mean, they may think it's worth it and they're, maybe they're developing it. 
But from what I can see, they, they've made no promises to develop an Unreal Engine for Android so far. So, you know, they if they wanted to make it, if they if this could skew them to do so, maybe. But they, they, they're the type of company, and maybe that's why they keep their developers employed, that kind of sit back, watch first, and then they'll, uh, you know, then they'll kind of hop into it. Actually, the only thing I really think they really hopped into um, was, you know, developing UE3 or, uh, you know, UE3 primarily for console stuff. But that's because it was a console. They got, they kind of knew it was going to do good. They had they had a larger base. But for this, I don't, think, I don't necessarily think they're going to jump into it. I think, they, I think a lot of developers will if the install base is large enough. But that's the thing, is getting that install base. I don't know. I think they're going. They're on their way to make enough of a splash, but it, it really depends on the hardware that comes out of it. I mean, I can see having concerns about the hardware, um, considering it's not finalized and stuff. Especially if you're looking at like a March next year. But if it's, uh, if you can put it together with the easy, you can put together a smartphone in a way. Like, in a sense, like I, I don't know. I think you're kind of on your way. I think that this, I'm, I'm reserving the right to be optimistic. Uh, I think that this might be kind of like ahead of a trend. Like people have talked about, you know, Apple TV and stuff like that for ages. And I think there was always kind of that like shadow on the horizon, especially the way that people talk about iPad and, you know, mobile games and stuff that, you know, an Apple TV would be a console killer. You know, consoles in general would be killed by it, Um, which, you know, we've always kind of like debunked and stuff. But our, our biggest caveat with like a lot of, you know, mobile gaming and things is the fact that your experience couldn't be the same. But if you've got a an affordable console, a console, you know, a hundred bucks that's open and it has a controller, you can hook it up to your TV. Like, you're you're removing a lot of the, I don't know, like a lot of the, the you know the the questionability of you know the a lot of the 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 roadblocks, you know, the the objections to playing a mobile, you know, a mobile quote-unquote game. I mean, yeah, you do lose the mobile aspect, but then there's always that possibility that, you know, it can be ported in certain ways, and uh, I think that there's, I think that there's something here. It's, I think it really just comes down to what they're, if they can actually put a product together. I think that there's enough interest, and I think that they'll get enough interest based on the splash that it's already making. Like, I mean, it's not even over yet. Oh, I think this thing will sell. Actually, I'll probably wind up buying one, but it will also come down to how profitable is it for developers, and that's where I think we're gonna. That's where we're gonna see the trouble. I don't think that like. First of all, we already know there's there's not gonna be any gatekeeper. They've already said that anybody can publish anything on here. Clones will run rampant. We 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 know that as a fact. There will be massive hacking. There will be massive piracy and you know i think that the developers won't see a whole lot of money from this therefore we're not going to see triple a titles coming over to this thing somebody is going to make an incredible hack for this thing and turn it into a wonderful box to play retro games and that's what i can't wait for but does but but does the people making the ouya care if that happens then they've already sold the console well, maybe like, this, like, I, I, they might not. They've care got their four four million now. They so, might I mean, not. They, they, like, they might not care about that. They like, well, we're we're making our money. But what I'm saying is that I, this, to me, this is not. I don't think this is going to change the face of gaming. Maybe it would have had a chance if this was a couple years ago. But now with next gen, 
come we're talking like next year you know maybe the year after that next gen so close i can't i don't think the this is not going to change the face of gaming because along with next gen is not just graphics we're talking about graphics improvements in ai which is going to improve games in general you know like going from the xbox to the xbox 360 playing certain games huge difference playing need for speed most one on the xbox almost totally different in terms of like uh engaging with the ai than on the xbox 360 and i can see that being even more of a factor with the next gen games that are going to come out very very soon but what if we was just a first step i mean we've always talked about the fact that mobile technology rolls over so much faster than console technology and if you've got something like the ouya on the market okay next gen consoles come out we're talking seven plus years that they're going to try and keep them on the market before they come out with anything else. How many fucking iterations of the Ouya could you go through before it maybe not even just matches it, but surpasses it. I mean, like it's kind of, I, I'm not saying it's lacking like any weakness, but it's kind of like console gaming without some of the weaknesses in a sense. I mean, the open platform and stuff is its own, its own problem, but I don't know. It all, de- it all depends on how powerful the next-gen consoles are. And this is why it's extremely important for next-gen consoles to come, you know, stomping out the gate, which it looks like they probably will based off of Unreal Engine 4 and how that looks. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I do think that the Ouya will probably flip over a lot more, you know, especially since it's only $100. Right. Flip over more, but if and, and you're try- also not talking iPad prices anymore for something that's going to flip over and have better technology. Yeah, but, right. but you, you run into an issue, though, here. I mean, well, first off, I mean, if they can develop this in, what, eight months, then, you know, they could theoretically have a new Ouya ready every year, if not even slightly sooner for, for that. But then you run into the issue that, that Ben points out where you start to fragment Android then because you figure as you're up, upgrading the hardware, you're going to, you know, have to make changes to the operating system. And at that point, then, you know, games that run the newest Ouya, you're don't run on the older Ouya's and the marketplace gets shattered. So, I mean, that's, it's a fair point, but I mean, if you've got millions of people who are willing to upgrade their, I thing just because it rolls over and it's not even necessarily that much of an improvement. That's, 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 you gotta take into consideration Apple hype. I know. I know. Apple hype and marketing. But, but but we're kind of saying that Ouya hype's not going to reach the same level. And, 4.2 4.2 million seems like not necessarily well, reaching that level, but I don't know. It's... Well, the thing is, Apple has sustained hype. I know. I don't think Ouya has. And the thing is, the thing is, like after this comes out, and depend, it depends how I guess ultimately this does. But I, I, I don't, I don't see it coming out and being as amazing as an Apple device, and then being able to go into the next generation. I think it's going to come out. Expectations are not going to be met. And then it's kind of like, you know, it dies down a little bit, you know. The one thing, the one thing that actually interests and slightly concerns me is I think it's Eve Behar who's designing this. The guy that did the one laptop per child, the $100 laptop, yeah. which again, you know, $99 price point, $100 price point. When that first came out, that was closer to a $200 price point. So, I mean, I know he's got all this funding behind him, but I wonder if he's actually going to be able to keep close to that budget or, um, you know, is, is that sort of, you know, how, how attainable is that $99 goal? I'll tell you this, the closer they actually get, if they want to increment quickly and get closer to the next gen, you know, fast, that price would definitely go up. But if they want to keep that $100 price point, they're not going to, they're 
road to next gen like i guess levels is not going to be that fast well let's say let's say for a moment that they they do a console every year and the tech gets reasonably better but they keep it within that hundred dollar price point and let's say that the next gen starting with you know the ps4 lasts for eight years do you think within eight iterations they can have ps4 quality graphics at a hundred dollar price point exactly right around the time we were supposed to start getting the ps5 you know, that's the thing. The cycle continues. Like, right now, like, sure, yeah. That, if, if that came out tomorrow and it could have the current-gen graphics and run things at, like, between 30 to 60 frames a second, that's great. So, so if, if, if there's really anybody that should be worried about somebody putting out a console with, like, last-gen graphics, shouldn't Nintendo be shaking their boots? Good point. Uh, yes, good point. Good Nintendo should be would probably be the one that's actually affected by this. But then again, then Nintendo they release a Mario game the same day this comes out. But this could have a pirated <laughs> Mario game. Well, that's the thing. You're not going to get. Well, yeah, I guess so. You you can have somebody taking Mario sprites and putting him in, into this. Like you know, I just I, it, like the thing is like a lot of people aren't going to uh, even if it even if a, a big hack for it does come out. That's not going to draw a massive amount of people to it, because you know, who what what retail employees will say, hey, you can get this, and then just hack the shit out of it. But, but, <laughs> you but, know but any, anybody that could hack it knows how to hook again, yeah, hook a cable up to their PC and get their PC on their TV. Like if you can, if, if if you're the person who would hack this, then it's not. It's almost like it's not the target market for you. Like why you would just buy? It, it, maybe that's what it is. It's just it's a it's a cheap piece of hardware that you could just go to town on. And if you if you screw it up, oh hey, it was only ninety nine dollars. Oh well, no big loss. Right. You know. I mean, I think the bottom line is like you know what they're offering, with the exception of hooking this thing up to a television and having a controller for it. Those channels are kind of already open for developers. And I think a few developers in Ben Kuchara's article said that. Like, those channels are already open with a larger install base already. And I, but honestly, with you, I think the biggest killer of this thing is going to be no gatekeeper. No gatekeeper. That's, and you, we already, like, we have platforms with gatekeepers, and cloning is prevalent. I, w- I wonder if, if Google or, or Motorola or some, somebody that develops. Droid and, and, and phones and Android. All they need to do is come up with a phone that can output the display to the TV and somehow has an interface for a controller, and they've completely undercut this thing. That's true. Actually, right, but nobody's done it. So, are, so, yeah, so they they've, got eight, the they've got eight months to do it. Right. <laughs> well, you know what the funny thing is? Like, um, somebody, I, I, th- I think it's, I, I don't know the guy's name, it wasn't a company, but they hacked their Android to work with a PS3 controller. Did you see that? That did you see that video where like they ha- they hacked it and so basically he wraps up the Android controller like with this I don't know what type of material it is and attaches it to the top of the PS3 controller and it's playing like Mario 64 on it. That's that's pretty cool. So like I mean it's not like what what if you know let's say well Google wouldn't necessarily do it but let's say Android not Android but a Motorola is like hey well I guess that is Google now but <laughs> Motorola is like hey. Let's allow Bluetooth connections between, you know, uh, controllers or uh, different devices. Actually, fucking already GameStop has that. They have yeah. a tablet that does that. So let's say, hey, let's make that work with our phones. My phone has an HDMI output to my television. You're you're like ninety percent of the way there. Exactly. Already, I have, I have a PS3 controller. All it is the it, for it, all a consumer would need is an easy way for these things to kind of work together. We should do a Kickstarter to get that going. <laughs> hey, you already have a phone? Great. 
got a Bluetooth controller? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, of course, in the future, we have to wait and see, you know, time machines and maintenance right now, but I really, I don't think, like, I just, my thing is just that I think people just went nuts over this thing for no reason. Like, so much hype, so much hype over the over this thing. Overfunded at this point, way overfunded. And I just don't think, I, I mean, I think people who buy the devices will get their money's worth out of it for the most part. Everybody who kickstarted it. And like I say, even I will be interested in buying a device, but not because I'm going to be interested in the games. Cause I don't think the games are going to be that spectacular. I don't think this is going to change this, the face of AAA gaming. I mean, Angry Birds isn't spectacular. Only when I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> and that's where this console belongs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think that'll wrap us up tonight. We're down one person, but yet we have a longer podcast. Can, can, I, just, can I just say, I guess, two sort of addendums. One, uh, I just want to give credit to at so double OG good, because uh, he was the person that made the Macho Man reference that I referenced earlier. And uh-huh. also it was... Wait, wait, I, just, I just lost the name that I had. Uh, where did it go? It was, I think it's Julie Julie Ehrman is the uh, the person who who started the whole Ooya thing. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, I'm glad you give credit to you know. I, just, I don't I don't want to be accused of plagiarism. Ah, okay. All right, so uh, let's see what's coming out next week. Oh, well, I guess it's um Summer of Arcade starts next week, so we got Tony Hawk HD coming out. And I don't know, I guess to battle that, um, PSN is putting out Dyad. So Dyad's coming out, which Dyad was pretty awesome. Um, I definitely recommend having some tissues near you because, like, my eyes watered several times while playing that game. Not because I was sad, but because it was just so visually intense. It's a little, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So if you were crying, it's not a fighting game, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a fighting game. Um, let's see, PSN, Resident Evil, Darkside Chronicles, I'm pretty sure there's just, yeah, Umbrella Chronicles, those are just ports to PSN. Uh, 3DS Tumblr Pop, that's what everybody's looking for. Woo! Yep. And, uh, the 3DS Store, Kid Icarus Myths and Monsters, so, there you go. Uh, looks like next week's big things are gonna be, uh, Tony Hawk, Dyad, I don't know, maybe Heroes of Ruin, but I haven't heard too much about that. Um, week after that, it's kind of, I I like to, I would like to call it the, um, the summer arcade bye week because, uh, Reketeer is coming out and that's connect only to my knowledge. So it's, it's the, it's the summer arcade bye week for me because typically I buy all summer arcade games, but not the, the connect game and prototype two is coming out for PC. Rest in peace, Radical. Yeah, good luck getting that supported after it comes out. Yeah, you know, it's like, but yeah, if that thing has bugs, that that's oof, that's gonna be terrible. Woo, don't even want to think about it. But uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna wrap us up here. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. You can check us out on SoundCloud. You're probably listening to SoundCloud right now. Most of you do. Uh, but if you listen every week, you might as well just subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. because uh, that's some options available to you. There's also Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, for your iOS and Android devices. Uh, we are at twitter.com slash site. We are at facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons. And we are also at youtube.com slash mashthosebuttons, which is going to be getting busier, you know, within the next couple weeks. Um, also, um, we are now on Raptor. We have a topic page 
on Raptor. So if you use Raptor, we would really appreciate it if you, uh, I don't know, followed us on that page. Just, I swear to God, I will not spam you. Max, two posts a day. Word life. I am not joking. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, Raptor, uh, we're on Raptor. So if you, uh, you're on Raptor, check us out there. It's just, uh, raptor.com slash topic slash mash those buttons. And you can follow us there. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Sorry for the long podcast. We'll try to get it in check next week. We just had so many, I guess, in-depth topics this week. So, yeah, we will catch you guys next week. Until next weekend. Time. Oh, man, you guys bumped heads on that one. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. They, they know. It was, it was like double, double goodbye. It was extra. Yeah. Didn't we just talk about the goodbye order last week? It was two Something weeks like ago, that. I think. Yeah. yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Well, See, now it's screwed up because we lost a person. No, I'm kidding. I don't know <laughs> how that messed it up. Let's just keep blaming it on Mikey because it was his yeah, fault last time, It was all too. Mikey, yeah. All <laughs> Mikey's fault. It's crazy. Oh, there okay. it is. Mikey's fault. Uh, Mikey's fault. The podcast was long. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I know, man. Jesus. Yeah, so next time somebody gets connected, God, God damn it, Mikey, you're on the loose. You're <laughs> <laughs> coming. Black President's fault. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Catch you next week. Later. Yeah.